welcome to the latest edition of our Galloway's Eye. Here we aim to bring you information on how we are keeping our services running, as well as some entertaining sound bites outside of the world of Galloway's. Don't forget, we are still here for you. You can call us on 01772 744 148 and speak to our site loss advisors. Some great news as our Head of Services, Rachel, reveals that face-to-face appointments are now available in Penwitham and Morecambe. Track 3. More good news as Nia tells us about low vision assessments. Track 4. We are taking you back in time to February before lockdown when we had Maria Pikulski visit our studio to discuss her support work with the EDU Foundation in Cairo. Track five, another bit of good news as Joseph talks about the reopening of Broomy Sunshine. Track six, Holly reveals how you could win some money and support our services through the Galloway's Lottery. Track seven, part one of our volunteer Tony's interview with former footballer Gordon Lee. Track eight, we celebrated National Eye Health Week last month. Glenn tells us more. Track 9, Angie updates us on her work with our volunteers. Track 10, a fun quiz to keep your brain ticking. Track 11, we have information from RNIB about how blind and partially sighted people can be guided by people outside their household. Track 12, a roundup of some of our guest speakers from Andrew's Tech Talk at 3 Zoom sessions. Track 13, an update on our Build Back Better project. And track 14, James gives us a taster of his socially distanced walking groups before they were put on hold due to local lockdown restrictions. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy. up and listen to the Galloway's Eye. Hi, this is Rachel Watkinson. I'm Head of Services for Galloway's and I'm delighted to let you all know that we're now delivering face-to-face site loss advice appointments in our Howick site and our Morecambe site. We'd like to reassure everybody that we're putting all we can into the safety of our visitors and our staff to our sites. So if you'd like to arrange an appointment, please call 01772 744 148 and a member of the team will chat through what you'd like advice and guidance on. You can expect much of your appointment to still be carried out on the phone as we try to limit the amount of time somebody is in our buildings in their appointment. But this means when you do visit our site for your appointment you can expect us to get straight to exactly what you need. 
you will get a phone call to be asked about whether you've got any COVID related symptoms and we will run through some of the safety requirements whilst you're in our building. You will also be requested to wear a mask unless you are exempt from this and you will also be asked to remain two metres away from the member of staff. You can also expect a safety screen between you and our site loss advisor. But this doesn't mean that you can't try out and, and we can't demonstrate the equipment available at our sites. So if you need site loss advice, please don't hesitate to contact a member of our team. Galloway's, your first choice for site advice. And following on from that good news, our face-to-face -face low vision assessments are now restarting in Howick, week commencing October the 12th, and in Morecambe from October the 19th. Nia explains how we have adapted our low vision assessments during lockdown. Hi everyone, um, some of you already know me, but my name is Nia and I'm one of the low vision practitioners for Galloway's. Um, so just a bit of an update about the low vision assessment service. Um, some of you will be waiting um, to get an appointment and some of people will be waiting uh, because their appointment got cancelled during lockdown and some people might not even know about the service. So here's just a little bit of an update about the low vision aid assessment service. So we are trying um, low vision assessments being delivered over the phone. Um, it's a slightly longer process um, whereas usually with a face-to-face -face appointment, we'd see you there and we'd try out the, do the assessment, try out the magnifiers and then ideally you'd go away with the magnifiers there and then. Um, but with a telephone assessment, it's the same assessment, but it means that we would have to send the magnifiers out to you in the post. Then we'd have another appointment where we'd see how effective they are and we'd do some tutorial with you. And then... Um, if it's not right, then we'd send some more magnifiers out. So there's a bit slightly more stages to the low vision aid process, the assessment process done over the phone, but basically it is the same. Um, if the, For those of you who don't know what a low vision aid assessment is, it's a, a community low vision scheme is funded by the NHS, where I would assess your vision, not clinically, um, and we would... I'd get an idea of your vision, what you're struggling with, and hopefully match your vision to the right magnifier for you to enable you to do them daily tasks. So that is the Low Vision Aid service. Um, you can access our service via um, Galloway's. So you just contact Galloway's. Um, if you've already been a service user, you've already seen a site loss advisor, that doesn't matter at all. You can access this service at any time. So um, if you call Galloway's and say you'd like to be assessed for a magnifier, or if you've had a magnifier um, some time ago and you don't think it's as effective, then just give us a call and you will be referred to a site loss advisor who will then refer you to me um, if it's appropriate. So that's how you access the service. So the Low Vision Aid Assessment Scheme gives you magnifiers on what's called long-term loan. So that's not like a library book loan where I'm going to give you these magnifiers and they work great and then I'm going to want them back after three weeks of use. It's not like that at all. Um, the Low Vision Aid Scheme gives you these magnifiers that I prescribe to you 
and long-term loans so they're yours until they're no longer fit for purpose or you no longer need them for whatever reason. So in that instance, you you would then bring their magnifiers back to me and we'd um, you'd book a, a, another a reassessment. You bring bring the magnifiers back to me, would reassess you, and then would do a swap. So I'd then be able to give the magnifiers you did have to another service user, and you would get these other magnifiers, the ones that are more suitable for your vision, present at present. So that's the low vision aid service. We are running these uh, telephone low vision aid assessments. Um, it's a it's a slower process, so we um, we can't get through everyone as quick as how we would in a face to face clinic. So please bear with us, but please don't um, hesitate to contact us if you'd like further information or you'd like to talk to me. Um, please do get in contact with Galloway's, which is zero one seven seven two seven four four one four eight. Thank you. So we're here with Maria Pikulski, who's an eye clinical liaison officer at St Helens, who's come to talk to us about her role and her charity work. Um, my name's Maria Pikulski, and I'm the eye clinic liaison officer. And I my job's funded, and uh, it's funded by the commissioners of the, the St Helens Council. And I'm based in the eye clinic at St Helens. And what does that job involve? I am like the gateway to all the services, so I refer on, help people through emotional support, get them as much help as possible, talk to people about their eye conditions, because if somebody's diagnosed with an eye condition, they get afraid that they're going blind, so you put them put them at rest, put them at ease. Um, say, for example, glaucoma, the importance of the drops, compliance, technique, anything like that, really. So it's quite a busy job as well. I bet, yeah. yeah. And of course, you understand what it's like to have sight loss yourself, is that right? Yeah, I do. The past 17 years, I've had sight problems. I've got Leber's hereditary optic neuropathy. And I was a nurse. I had to give up. I had to fight, you know, the NHS to try and keep my job. But because I was registered then, 17 years ago, you got registered blind, not severely sight impaired. So... From there on, you know, I've just started working for Action for Blind People. Then it went on to the RNIB and I get paid through the RNIB now. Excellent. And you've recently um, been over to Egypt to, to help a blind school over there. Yeah, I've been helping this blind school for the past two years with getting equipment for them and everything. It's run by a couple of um, totally blind uh, man and wife um, who have got retinitis pigmentosa so they do a fantastic job and some of the children have got complex needs as well so not just eyesight they could be hearing they could have autism they could have all sorts of different complex needs and it's called EDU Foundation we went to have a look at the building and to visit them and spend the day with them and it's quite a poor building because some of the windows are smashed and that and they've got very little equipment but they do a fantastic job 
Lovely. And I believe you've taken over some equipment from charities like ourselves, Galloway's and other charities. Is that right? Yeah, we went over on the 10th of February and we had four big suitcases with 23 kilos in each full of white sticks for children and adults, um, tactile games, clothes for the children, um, magnifiers, Perkins Brailers, you name it, we had it in them suitcases. They were very heavy. And these were donated by Galloway's, by uh, Blind Veterans UK, by all the social services within the Merseyside area, donated little items of gifts for them, which the school was really pleased about. Excellent. And why was it important for you to, to be able to do this? Um, it gives me a lot of pleasure to do this um, because we in this country get a lot of help and but in other countries they don't get anything at all and they don't get any funding. Like it's not a lot for to us but the EDU Foundation has got to raise 20,000 Egyptian pounds a month to keep the school going. And that, that's equivalent to something like £1,700 in our money, which to them is an awful lot of money. And it gives me a lot of pleasure um, of helping other people. Excellent. Thank you. This is Joe Gardner from... Bring me sunshine in Morecambe. Just like to bring you up to date with how things are going here. We are moving to table service only. It's gone well so far. We've had, and since we've opened, we've had a really good response from everyone. Everyone's been really helpful with following the government guidelines and filling in track and trace forms. Uh, we have a round app, which is available to download for free from Apple Play and Google. If you put in your table number, and select what you'd like to order. We can bring it over to you or, or we come over and uh, take their order from, from them. The service team in the idea store are offering face-to-face -face appointments, uh, but it is a by appointment only. Uh, if um, you come into the cafe, we can take your details and pass them over to the service team who can then get in touch with you uh, to make an appointment. We are going to be closely watching as the new government guidelines come in for any changes to how we operate but um, for the time being it's uh, keeping to that um, rule of six our tables typically are two to three we've got a couple of four seaters um, but we've been keeping numbers down and encouraging people not to mix with different households just like to say a big thank you from all the staff here at Broomy Sunshine. It's been great to have everyone back and it's really great to be up and running again. And uh, for those who haven't made a return yet, we can't wait to see you soon. Broomy Sunshine is located in Victoria Street in Morecambe. The cafe is open Monday to Saturdays, 10am until 4pm. Do drop in. We look forward to seeing you. up with a cup of tea and Galloway's Eye. Hello to you all, I'm Holly Atkinson, one of the fundraising team from Galloway's and I hope you're all taking good care of yourselves. 
Last November, as you may know, we started running a weekly loss rate to replace our monthly draw. And since then, we've had a great number of new and existing supporters join the lottery. So thank you so much for your support. Obviously, due to the lockdown brought about by coronavirus, getting new lottery members became very difficult as face-to-face -face recruitment had to stop and members of the fundraising team were placed on furlough. But now we're back and we're very keen to make our lottery even bigger and a real success to ensure important income for Galloway's in the future so we can continue supporting people living with sight loss. So, I just want to take a minute to explain simply how the lottery works. When you sign up, you are given a unique six-digit number, which is yours for the entire time you're a member of the lottery. Every Friday, a six-digit number is drawn at random by our lottery management company, and the aim is to match all six of those numbers in the correct place to win the jackpot prize. The jackpot is a whopping £25,000 each week, and a five-number match will get you a cash prize of £1,000, Four numbers matched is a prize of £25, and if you match three numbers in the correct sequence, you'll be given five free entries into the next week's draw to hopefully increase your chances of winning. The lottery costs a pound a week to play per entry, and you are more than welcome to buy more than one weekly number if you wish. You can set up a monthly direct debit to pay, or you're welcome to send a check-in or make a debit or credit card payments as well. If you would like any more information about the lottery, how it works and how to sign up, please feel free to get in touch. I would absolutely love to hear from you and have a chat. Likewise, if you'd like us to send out a lottery sign-up form, please get in touch with either myself or the main office and we can arrange to send one straight away in the post. Or if you're on the internet, you can visit galloways.org.uk forward slash lottery and click play now to sign up online. Please, please get in touch if you want to know anything else about our lottery. And if you do choose to become a player, thank you so much and a huge good luck from all of us. Thank you. And now we have the first part of an interview with former footballer and manager Gordon Lee with questions asked by our volunteer Tony. Hello, I'm Tony Scarborough. I recently had the great pleasure of meeting Gordon Lee, who managed several top football clubs, including, of course, Preston North End. He's now aged 85 and lives in Lytham St Anne's. I hope you find his views on football, both past and present, of interest to you. We're here at the lovely Fairhaven Golf Club in Lytham St Anne's in Lancashire, where I'm speaking to Gordon Lee, ex-manager, ex-footballer, now a resident of Lytham St Anne's and obviously a keen golfer as well. Thank you for giving up some of your time to speak to us, Gordon. Yes, it is. Uh, it, uh, I, I, I sort of, I don't go to many football matches. I watch it on the TV, but uh, some of the things I, I don't really, I've, I can't come to terms with some of them because it's, uh, you know, when I when I played football, it was mostly local lads were playing in the team, and uh, the crowd get better. But now. You're hard picked now for not many local players on the field at all. You know they're all foreign players. Even the managers are foreign now. That's so, right, yes. and I can't, I can't understand it to be quite honest. But um, that's right. the way things change. Well, we'll we'll come on to that. And I just wanted to talk to you, uh, and so the listeners who want to know about your your career in football. Now, I've got, I hope I've got this right. 
that you were born on the 13th of July 1934 Correct. in Cannock in Staffordshire. Yes, that's right, yeah. And you started your football career with Hensford Town. Yes. But your, your main career as a player was with Aston Villa, yes. wasn't it? And am I right in thinking you won a, a medal? Yes, we, we, uh, I was in the team when the League Cup uh, first, uh, first was played for. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't at Wembley. Ah. And uh, we played uh, Rotherham, I think it was Rotherham. And we lost the first leg 2-0. And we beat them at Aston Villa 3-0, I think. So we were the first winners of the League Cup. I see. So I that's something. <laughs> you actually were there 11 years, weren't you, at Aston Villa, yeah, as I yeah. understand it. But then you ended your career at Shrewsbury Town. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And you, became, you went from player to coach. Yeah. Now, loads of people I've asked the question to, which is best, playing or coaching? I think playing's got to be the, the main thing. Uh, I think because... Uh, a, you're, you're young and enjoying it and you want to improve all the time so you enjoy running and playing whereas I think when you become a coach or a manager you're caring or you're worried or you're concerned for the well-being of the players and also you just please the supporters and uh, it's more based on it's more based on uh, results success uh, I think that's that's a it's a pressurised job. Yeah, it's a pressurised job. I think every footballer I've ever spoke to that became a manager have said pretty much the same thing. You can yeah. never replace playing. No, no, I don't think you can. No. Now you you started your managerial career in 1968 in Port uh, at Port Vale, yes. and of course you succeeded an absolute legend yes. of a footballer, didn't yeah. that? Who was Stan that? Stanley Matthews. I took over from Stanley Matthews, uh, who possibly. Uh, he'd be in the top three in the world, I would think, with football. He was a, a living legend, and uh, particularly in, in Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, he played for Stoke-on-Trent, he played for Blackpool, uh, and he was he was a bit special. I mean, the, he, 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 he helped Blackpool considerably to win the cup, and he was, a, he was, he was a, I think, the best thing I can say about him, he, he did well to last as long as he did because he played till he was 40 plus I think oh, yeah. but and he lived on he lived the lived the proper life to be a, a, to look after himself and kept himself fit and uh, he, he was a he was he was a anybody to look up to I think he'd be the one one of them anyway he was one of many very famous footballers who never really made it as a manager did, did you, did you why, why would that be do you think well I think I think one of the things is I, I wasn't a particularly outstanding football player, uh, but I was also one of these lads that, whenever the manager wanted me to play, I would play, yeah. because I just wanted to play, and because I played lots of positions uh, on the field, it, it helped me be, when I became a coach and a manager. I think if if the manager's been a, a very good player, outstanding player, then it, sometimes he finds it difficult because he can't understand why they can't be successful yeah. or as good as him. Especially in the lower divisions, maybe. Yeah, especially in the lower divisions where, you, you know, I mean, he, he, I remember we played West Ham in the Cup at Port Vale and uh, they had Bommy Moore's era and Ron Green was the manager and uh, we lost 1-0 uh, and that was a situation whereby on ability we hadn't got as much as them. But we worked extremely hard. Everybody worked. Every everybody in the lads, and they did great. We were very unlucky to lose. Uh, but I think if the spectators see that the players are working hard, doing the best, 
that they're happy with that. Yeah. Now I, I read somewhere that of of all the signings you must have made as a manager, one particular signing that you made while you were manager of Port Vale gave you a great deal of pleasure. Somebody that you'd signed from non-league. Yes, yes. I, I signed a lad named uh, Sammy Morgan from. Uh, he he was playing uh, football for Great Yarmouth. And he was training to be a teacher at uh, Nottingham University. And uh, a friend of mine who I played with Aston Villa, Roger Carter, rang me up and says, I've got a player, I think, might help you. And I says, well, what, what's, what's, what's he good? He says, he's very good in the air, good ahead of the ball. I said, that'll do, and I'll take him. And he said, but what you've got to do is, do, just when you see him, don't be put off, because he looks like a vicar or a bank clerk. <laughs> and he was spot on. But... He was absolutely magnificent, and uh, he, he gave me, he probably, outside of football, well, inside of football, if you want to put it that way, he gave me the biggest thrill I, I, I can remember, apart from myself, and that was when he was capped. He got an international cap for, uh, for Ireland. Right, right. And uh, we, the, uh, from Port Vale, all the, all the players and the directors went to Port Vale to watch him play right. they played Portugal I think and to see him on to see him walk out uh, on the pitch fantastic yes, yes. and uh, Georgie Best was playing for Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland and Pat Jennings I think was a goalkeeper I'm not quite I can't remember but anyway I think they did the drew and and to think that you sort of take a lad out of not only football and within a short period of time he gets in the national gap yeah. That's a wonderful feeling for, for, for the manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can I can tell it means a lot to you now, actually. Oh, yes. yeah. Okay, lad. Yeah. And you, you then, uh, after nearly six years at Port Vale, you moved on to uh, more local tier Blackburn Rovers, of course, and you led them to the third division title. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, of course, the big boys came knocking on your well, door. Well, th- these are the things that happen in life, I suppose. We. Yeah. Uh, we won the championship and we, we played very, very, very well. And then, then Newcastle came on the scene and I thought, oh, nah, nah. I, it's hard, you know, because I haven't been used to. See, Blackburn and uh, Port Vale were sort of small clubs in a way, but um, they, they, weren't, they were sort of Group C, Group, B, group D, well, as Newcastle was a, a Group A club. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe when you're young you do things, don't you? Yeah. You know, you don't think twice, you just go and do it because you think you can do it. Well, the, I suppose that if you, if you'd always regret it if you didn't take the chance. I think, I think that comes into it a lot, yeah. yeah. That comes into it a lot. And of course you succeeded another great man there, Joe Harvey. Yeah, 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 I did, yes. Yeah, he was a, he was a, he was a legend, that's sort. But Joe was one of those guys, I think, that played for the club all his life. Yeah. Uh, and and it was he, he was manager of the club and he was that was his only club and that was it. I can understand that because he loved the club yeah. and it was Jack Milburn Jackie Milburn was there as well uh, he and it, that's the way it was then yeah. you know but it's different now and you you quickly showed everybody that you weren't frightened to make a what would be an unpopular decision with some people I, I'm talking to talking about the the sale of Malcolm McDonald yeah 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 it was. Uh, it wasn't difficult in many ways uh, because it, it was one of these un- unfortunate things in football is that, and it's happening now, and probably even more now than then, but Malcolm McDonald was uh, the big player at Newcastle United. 
uh, and in becoming the big player, he also became the best paid player. And that can lead to sometimes lead to trouble. Insofar that uh, if the players, uh, the other players, are playing well, uh, and he's playing badly, they 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 all of a sudden is a, is an undercurrent, and you're not happy. If he's getting well paid, and they're winning matches, and he's scoring goals, they'll accept him. But if 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 he's not playing well, and he's not scoring goals, and they're losing matches, you've got a problem. Yeah. You've got a big problem, and. Uh, uh, it was a decision was quite easy for me to make because uh, I knew as soon as he went out of the dressing room we would improve 100% and right. we did well, we, we went yeah, to Europe yeah. for that uh, and unfortunately if you put it another way he was probably a better player in a bad side mm. rather than being a good side yes, yes. and he went to Arsenal and he lasted 18 months I think something like that for the second part of this interview stay tuned for the December issue of Galloway's Eye Hi, I'm Glenn Sheeder. I'm one of the eye clinic liaison officers at Galloway's. I'm based in Royal Preston Hospital and Charlie and District Hospital. I just wanted to carry on the message following on from National Eye Health Week, which was between the 21st and the 28th of September. Just in terms of looking after your eyes, we've been getting messages out there of, you know, getting to your opticians if you have any issues. Perhaps if you've not been for for over two years, it's worth you now getting that appointment. It is now a safe time to go to your opticians. They've got plenty of PPE in place and will look at getting you in there safely and get any support in place that you perhaps need and also obviously identify any potential issues that you may have. They can obviously refer you into the eye clinic. Also, we've been getting information out there around UV protection. If you're not protecting your eyes with some good sunglasses or anti-glare shields or anything like that please get in touch with Galloway's we can assess and look at the right tint for you it's very much tailored to you as an individual and we can do that and make sure you're protecting your eyes and possibly actually improving your functional vision with some good UV filters you'll perhaps be able to have a bit better depth perception perhaps maybe you might be able to See, see things in a bit better situation in terms of the colour contrast of things. So it's always worth getting assessment on those. Um, and generally, in terms of support within the eye clinic, obviously, I'm an eye clinic liaison officer. If you do have any concerns about going to the hospital, please get in touch. If you have any, if you have an appointment coming up and you're perhaps thinking about, you know, how how it looks within the hospital now, obviously things are a bit different because of the pandemic. Again, please get in touch. And obviously I can support people within clinic with any concerns. My number, if you want to get in touch, is 07498 369881. And I am glad to actually be able to tell you that we now have a new eye clinic liaison officer called Paula Horton, who I will now let give you a little bit of information on her. As Glenn mentioned, my name's Paula Horton. I'm very much looking forward to starting my role at Galloway's as the new eye clinic liaison officer. I will be working at the Royal Lancaster Infirmary. My days are generally going to be Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So if you need any support regarding living with sight loss, 
you can contact me at Galloway's and I would be very happy to help with any concerns. Galloway's, your first choice for site advice. Hello everyone, this is Angie Turner, the volunteer coordinator. I hope you're all well and apologies that it's been a long time since you have heard from me. Due to a technical error, some volunteers may not have received the original email I sent out in July. As you may all know by now, I am back from furlough for two days a week, working at Howick House in Penwitham, and I'm loving it. I'm loving seeing my colleagues. I feel very safe here. And I've moved downstairs. All the staff are working from the old R&IB office. So it's nice and airy. There's plenty of windows that we can open. There's a few wasps around, so my window's staying shut for the moment. I want to take this opportunity of thanking some of the volunteers for helping out during this, this time of COVID-19 and the work you have been doing to support the services team, as well as helping to raise awareness and support for our fundraising. It is clear how we really are a little family and have forged strong bonds with our service users, as your welfare calls and texts have meant so much to them. For some, it may only be the social interaction they had that day. I'm going to read out some of the things that the volunteers have helped us out with. The Talking Together sessions, the weekly Talking Together quiz, helping Andrew with IT support, supporting our various fundraising, in fundraising initiatives, including the 2.6 challenge and the Not the Morecambe Bay walk and restarting our collections, providing patient transport and driving the minibuses for MOT and services, helping to keep up with building maintenance and the gardens, reading articles for our Talking You service, and what's going on guides, which are included in our new Galloway's Alexa skill. Your commitment and dedication, especially during this difficult time, means so much to us and we were delighted to be able to use Volunteers Week in June to thank all the volunteers. We had some fantastic art articles in the press and one of our volunteers even spoke on Mighty Radio. So thank you to everyone that was involved in that. We are now encouraging new volunteers to sign up via our website. So the website address is www.galloways.org.uk forward slash emergency dash volunteers. If you would like to get in touch with me, then please contact me on angie.turner at galloways.org.uk or leave a message for me on 01772 744148. I'm just pleased to say that we've had regular people applying to be volunteers, two to three a week, who, I'm in who I've been corresponding with and sending out application forms. And I look forward to meeting them all in the near future when things have settled down. Again, if you'd like to receive correspondence by email, then please let me know. 
from the addresses and phone number that I said previously. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Galloway's Eye, bringing our world to you, one story at a time. So, how about a quiz to keep your brain going? There's 20 questions. Here we go. What's the first question, Bob? Thank you very much, Jill. Here we go with question one. How much is a first-class stamp in the UK? Question two. Which of Henry VIII's wives was first married to his brother Arthur before he died? Question number three. How many stars are there on a USA flag? Question four. What number is referred to as duck and dive in bingo? Question number five. What is England's longest river? Question six. In Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, what do the dwarfs do for a living? Question number seven. Name the song. All the leaves are brown and the sky is grey. Question 8. Which blonde bombshell became the face of country music in the 1960s? Question number 9. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right, that's right, attaboy Clarence. Those are the closing lines to which film? Question 10. Complete the film title. Four Weddings and... Question number 11. How much is the purchase price of Old Kent Road in the London version of Monopoly? Question 12. In the board game Trivial Pursuit, the pink colour represents which category of questions? Question number 13. The course of true love never did run smooth is a line from what Shakespeare play? Question 14. 
Big Brother is Watching You is the slogan from which novel? Question number 15. By heck, it's gorgeous. Was the slogan for what drink? Question 16. Loves the jobs you hate is the slogan for what product? Question number 17. True or false? Vatican City is classed as the world's smallest country. Question 18. True or false? Jellyfish have a heart. Question number 19. This is a riddle. What goes up but never goes down? And finally, question 20, which is also a riddle. What question can you never answer yes to? Well, that's all the questions. Now then, let's have the answers. Are you ready for the answers? Thank you very much, Jill. Yes, we're all ready. What I'll do, I'll read the question once again and then give you the answer. Are you all ready for this? OK, let's go with question one. How much is a first-class stamp in the UK? The answer is 76p. Question 2. Which of Henry VIII's wives was first married to his brother Arthur before he died? And the answer is Catherine of Aragon. Question 3. How many stars are there on a USA's flag? And the answer is 50, five, zero. Question four. What number is referred to as duck and dive in bingo? And the answer is duck and dive 25. Question number five was what is England's longest river? And the answer is the Thames. Question six. In Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, what do the dwarfs do for a living? And the answer is, they were miners. Question number seven was, name the song. All the leaves are brown and the sky is grey. And that's California Dreaming by the Mamas and the Poppers. Question 8. Which blonde bombshell became the face of country music in the 1960s? And the answer? Dolly Parton. Question number 9. Was look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. 
That's right, that's right. Attaboy, Clarence. These are the closing lines to which film? And the name of the film was It's a Wonderful Life. Question 10. Complete the film title. Four weddings and... Of course, it's a funeral. Four weddings and a funeral. Question number 11 was... How much is the purchase price of Old Kent Road in the London version of Monopoly? And the answer is... £60. Question 12. In the board game Trivial Pursuit, the pink colour represents which category of questions? And the answer is, the pink colour represents entertainment. Question number 13. The course of true love never runs smooth is a line from which Shakespeare play? And the answer is... A Midsummer Night's Dream. Question 14. Big Brother is Watching You is a slogan from which novel? And the answer? It's the novel by George Orwell called 1984. Question number 15. By heck, it's gorgeous was a slogan for what drink? And the answer is... Boddington's Bitter. Question 16. Loves the jobs you hate is the slogan for what product? And the answer, of course, is Mr Muscle. Question number 17. True or false... Vatican City is classed as the world's smallest country. The answer is... True. Vatican City is governed as an absolute monarchy, with the Pope as its head. The Vatican mints its own euros, prints its own stamps, issues passports and licence plates, operates media outlets and has its own flag and anthem. Question 18. This was a true or false? Jellyfish have a heart. And the answer is false. They don't have a heart. Question number 19. This one was a riddle. What goes up but never comes down? And the answer is... Your age. And finally, question 20, which was also a riddle... What question can you never answer yes to? And the answer is, are you asleep yet? Well, that's the end of the quiz. We hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you got all the answers right too. And if you didn't, well, never mind. It's just for fun. Put your feet up and listen to The Galloway's Eye. Hello. We're going to give you some information now on the new guidelines for sighted guiding. The Department of Health and Social Care has confirmed that blind and partially sighted people in England can now be guided by someone outside their household or social bubble. This is great news. Um, We will 
give you some information on the guidance from the RNIB on how this can be done while minimising the risk to both yourself and the person whom is guiding you. If you have any queries of this, um, please do get in touch or visit the RNIB website where full details of the cited guide guidelines are available for both visually impaired and sighted people to, to view. Guidance on supporting people with visual impairment outside their home. The guidance allows for support from friends or family in the same household or support bubble or by family and friends that don't live as a household or support bubble if that is not possible and by volunteers or staff of organisations such as supermarkets, transport hubs or hospitals. This includes sighted guiding. The guidance is written so that it will be acceptable for restrictions if restrictions are imposed as part of local lockdown to allow sighted guidance to continue to reduce the risk as far as possible. Some key measures for safe guidance include both wearing face coverings unless exempt under government rules, practising good hand hygiene before, during and after guiding for both parties, limiting the time spent within two metres of each other, only making journeys and activities permitted within government guidance you can find out more within the government uh, guidance information. When being supported by volunteers or staff, the person being guided, providing their name and contact in case of coronavirus, contact tracing becomes necessity. had some amazing guests for Andrew's Tech Talk at 3 Zoom catch-ups. Here is a roundup of our sessions. If you would like to listen or watch these videos in full, you can catch them on our YouTube channel, Galloway's Blind, or on our Facebook groups. Galloway's presents In Your Pocket with Brendan Lewis and Louise Humphreys. So, um, In Your Pocket... Most visibly, it's uh, it appears to be a mobile phone handset, but it's actually much more than that. It's a it's a phone, it's a media player, and it's a digital digital assistant all in one. And it's been designed from the ground up for to support blind and um, visually impaired people. And it does that through having a smart voice interface. So it comes from. Um, uh, Real Sam's parent company is, is actually called Real Thing Entertainment, which is an Australian company that specialises in artificial intelligence and it's created the cleverness that sits in, inside in your pocket. So as I said, it's it's more than just a, a smartphone. It's it's a media player. It's a talking watch. It's a personal alarm. It's a vi there's an onboard video magnifier. It provides sighted assistance. Um, there's a sat-nav system. There's a reminder system. So there's plenty of things in there. So it's much more than just a phone. And in fact, it's not just the handset either. We put our software on a Samsung mobile phone. Um, we have connectivity provided by 
O2 Telefonica and um, you can also connect via Wi-Fi. And out on the internet, we have what's called a dialogue server. So it's it's a computer that kind of figures out what you're asking for and helps you and, and creates a response, which then it sends to the phone and the, and the phone speaks out loud. Um, it also, we have access to lots of different content sources, which I'll go into in a while. And there's also a website Every um, every handset has its own, effectively it has its own website that you can log into and you can change some of the things that are going on the phone, like you can add contacts in bulk and things like that. Galloway's presents Tech Talk at Three with Linda Baker from Progress Lifeline. I'd like to sort of briefly tell you today is uh, how Progress Lifeline have been supporting people through COVID. Um, we, uh, we supply the telecare system um, and we also supply the emergency responder services and the GPS support services. And throughout COVID, uh, we've been supporting approximately 50,000 people. Along the way of COVID, we've been redeployed and we've been calling people just to make sure that they have the right services, that they have food, that they have been signposted to the correct organisations and that has gone down very, very well. Um, including yourselves, by the way, thank you very much for helping us along the way. Um, we, we did need your help at one point. Um, what I'd like to do is tell you a little bit more about the telecare services and what we do. If I may start with the, um, the in-house telecare. Now the in-house telecare is a system that is set up at home and you have access to our alarm response center 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And you may be familiar with it, but it's, if I can just show you, this is the, there is a box here, which is a control box that plugs into your telephone socket and attached with the box will be a red pendant alarm, which you may have seen in the past. And when that red pendant is pressed, you get automatic contact with our alarm response center. So there's always someone there for that bit of reassurance. We also have attached to that in-house telecare system, a variety of different sensors. Now we have, for example, the typical smoke alarm, which uh, the fire service um, has okayed. So this is the approved one. And we also have carbon monoxide detectors, which can sit near any gas appliances. We have for um, flooding, for example, if someone leaves a tap on and forgets to turn it off, these little detectors will sit underneath the sink or underneath the shower, underneath the bath. And once the water hits the little metal feet on the bottom, then this will make a loud beep to let the person know that something has been left on. And all of these sensors will automatically be triggered back through to the alarm response center as well. So we know that there's something that has been triggered and something is wrong. We also have um, medication reminders. So we can, once the medication is put into this uh, circular box, 
Um, it is controlled by a timer. And if someone has forgotten to take medication, um, we can talk through this and we can prompt people to take uh, the medication. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to uh, Galloway's Tech Talk at three. And uh, this afternoon, I'm really pleased to be joined by Alan Goodyear, who's talking to us from um, Synaptic, um, a really, really good um, organization, uh, company that Galloway's have worked with for a long time, um, do some great assistive technology products for Android smartphones and tablets. And uh, yeah, really, really pleased to have you here today, Alan. Well, welcome on board. Welcome to, the, you, welcome to the Tech Talk at Free train. Yeah. So for those who don't know what Synaptic is, um, it's technology, mobile technology for people who have sight loss. And that's what we specialize in. So what we sell as a company is a range of Android phones and tablets and smartphones, uh, which are powered by our Synaptic software. And these are devices uh, suitable for a, a, a range of different budgets. They're available with different screens to maximize text size, to fit neatly in a pocket or a bag, so they're convenient when you're out and about. Um, it comes with pre-installed and configured software, which is fully set up and ready for you to use when you get your device. So there is lifetime technical support on the product. So if you ever find that something's not working as it should, or has worked in the past, you can give our office a call and we have a designated um, support team there who will uh, pick up your inquiry and help you with your issue. Uh, it doesn't matter how technical it is, we always try and get the issues solved um, for you. And then the software can also be purchased on its own as a standalone for people who have their own Android devices, as long as they're supported with our software. And at the moment, we say that's Android 6 and above, if anybody's thinking about um, purchasing the software at the end of the demo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Talk at 3. It's Andrew here, your Assistive Tech Coordinator, and I'm really pleased today to be joined by Lauren Mor Moran, who is joining us from Orcam Technologies. How are you doing, Lauren? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, excited to be here. So we provide assistive technology um, for people who are blind, visually impaired, or have reading difficulties such as dyslexia or even just reading fatigue. We've got a couple of products out on the market as it stands. Some of them you may have tried, you may have, have tested, um, you may have. Um, but today I'm going to be talking to you about one of our newest products, which we actually only just launched in March this year. So we actually launched it at the very beginning of, of lockdown um, of COVID-19. Uh, so as you can imagine, there's been a lot of online, online demonstrations, online training sessions happening. Um, but today I'll be talking, I'll be talking to you a bit more about all coming details. So I'll tell you a bit about the company, the background, um, and then we'll go through the device as well. So I'm going to explain to you all the different features on the device. Um, and then we're going to be doing a, a bit of a live demonstration using my very trusty Mary Berry's baking Bible. Um, <laughs> which, you know what you've been doing then in, in lockdown, yeah? yeah? <laughs> well, I say... I'd say more attempting to be honest, um, but we've got to try. We've got to start somewhere. So and just so people, just so people know, um, obviously you are the new sales representative um, in our area now. Um, yeah. For those of you that used to speak to Nigel in the past, we've now got Lauren. 
uh, Andrew, uh, your assistive technology coordinator. Really pleased um, this week to be joined by Ian Hughes, who's joining us from Associated Optical to talk to us about um, their services and products uh, that they um, have for sale for people with low vision, um, specifically digital technology. Welcome, Ian. No worries. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for thank you for the invite and uh, the opportunity to. Um, let me present some of the products that, that Associated Optical uh, does and that may, may be beneficial to, uh, to some of your members in supporting uh, charities like yourself with magnification devices, um, with the digital devices that we'll have a look at today uh, through to some of the new brands that we represent, um, Ocutech Bioptics and also the new live eyewear cocoon, uh, cocoon fitovers. We'll start off by talking about why would we look at a digital magnifier? Now, there's always a misconception that you've got to pitch optical versus digital, and it, that's not the case. They, they go hand in hand. There are going to be certain tasks that are definitely better with an optical magnifier than a digital, but then there'll also be a place for digital that an optical just can't get to. So, for instance, if I, if I start off with uh, talking about size, everybody says to me, can I get a larger optical magnifier? Why can't I get a sheet uh, optical sheet that covers the page um, and it's just down to physics it's just not possible so some of you may be aware that when you're looking at the higher powered magnifiers um, so for instance here I have a seven times um, 28 delta lens now this one is only 35 mil um, in diameter so when you're using this one it, it can be quite difficult and you have to hold it a little bit closer um, to be able to see what you want to be able to see now, that's just the way that it is. For some people, that's absolutely fine. And for little spot checks when you're out in the supermarket, that would work in absolute treat and there's no issue. But for certain others, it may be that if you're wanting to read a large body of print, that having something that size is not going to be feasible. And you're wanting something that covers more of the page. And that's where digital magnification comes into it. So size is one of the options. So... One of the, the, other, the other benefits of digital magnification is the contrast, the different colors. Now, Eschenbach are already unique in the fact that when you have an Eschenbach magnifier, you have three different light temperatures that you can use. So you have a white light that we start with, and then what you can do is put an orange filter over it to reduce it down, and put a yellow filter on it to reduce the temperature to a different, uh, to reduce it to a different light temperature to help with contrast. However, we appreciate that you need to, might be able to need to do that in a digital magnifier or just need that little bit of extra help. So maybe if you've got a cataract, uh, maybe you're needing more light because you've got macular degeneration. So what we have are contrast options within the digital magnifier that just makes it a lot, lot easier uh, to see. As you are all probably aware by now, we have launched a project called Build Back Better to review what we are doing to improve your experiences. Over the past few weeks, we have been speaking to a number of you about what services you access and how we can improve. We have also sent out a digital survey to some of you through email, which has also been shared on social media. We wish to thank everyone who has so far taken part as we truly do value your input.
We have now set up an information hub where you can get all the latest updates. You can access this via www.galloways.org.uk forward slash BBB home. There you will find some videos from trustees and sound bites of feedback from people who use our services. This is all part of our discovery stage, which will last until the middle of this month. Thank you. And together we can build back better. Galloway's Eye, bringing our world to you, one story at a time. Hello, this is James with just an update on the Get Active. Unfortunately, due to the recent spike in coronavirus cases, we've taken the unfortunate decision to suspend all Get Active programme events uh, for the foreseeable future. What I've got for you now is some sound bites from some people who attended some of the, the recent walks that we did uh, since lockdown when we were just um, adhering to the, the rule of six, uh, just to show what people think about the walks and hopefully it might give you an idea of whether to attend the walks or to encouragement to come along on the walks once we're, we're in a position to, to offer them again. What we will be doing, seeing as though we can't offer the uh, the activities as, as we have been doing, is we will carry on doing the, the virtual walks um, probably put some exercise videos out and things like that just to keep you all engaged um, give you things to look forward to once we can uh, come out of the lockdown and also we will be doing our regular zoom meetings on a Friday as well so if you're interested in any of those uh, check out the videos that will be going on to our YouTube channel which is Galloway's Blind if you go onto YouTube and search Galloway's Blind you'll find a whole range of videos that we've done uh, both get active videos and videos of the Zoom Zoom meetings that we do. And to to find out more and keep in touch, there's also the the Get Active Facebook page, uh, and that will give you links to the videos that we've we've produced and any other information that's coming out. So for now, just uh, listen to these sound bites, and hopefully, once the coronavirus starts to ease a bit we'll be able to start providing uh, a wider range of activities for you guys to come on. Thanks for listening. So, David, how has lockdown affected you? Right, well, I was dis it was terrible to start with because everything stopped. It wasn't just all the Galloway's activities and the cafe closing and my voluntary work, but I couldn't even go swimming either. So, for exercise, I've had to go on walks every day during, and that's the positive side of lockdown, is I've been able to get a walk round the streets where I live for the, for the first few months of lockdown, remember, when we had all that very warm spring. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, strange, I would put it. So, what's, what's, it, what's it like now it's started to ease? And you're, it's you're getting a... more like, uh, well, it's getting, there's a sense of a bit of normality because I'm able to do my shopping again now because my sister was doing that all through lockdown for me uh, and I'm able to join the odd activity and being able to go out into town and get things done Okay. Uh, so that, that's how it's feeling more like normality and I'm hoping to go back swimming in September 
Right, what about the uh, the activities and the Zoom meetings and well, things like that? Well, the Zoom like meetings have been good because they kept me in, not only have they been informative, but they've kept me in touch with friends. And you know, you know, with Andrew Coleman, the IT, and yours, people like Denise, uh, other friends uh, I know. So it's just been good being able to have that continuity of keeping in touch with people as well as finding out things we wouldn't have otherwise found. Like when we had that gentleman from Australia on yep. Zoom. Yeah. For example, I know the subject matter wasn't exactly me surfing, but it was still interesting to hear how life was going on from the ordinary people. So when he said it was like a ghost town in town, lockdown. And how does it feel to be come, to come back on uh, a limited... Sorry. How does it feel to come back on a limited Galloway's walk? A bit strange, just a few of us. I'll tell you what, I've also found limiting. It was an effort to get back into routine. All the things I need for a walk, I just felt it's a big effort. Not physically, it's everything I need to remember. Okay. Like I forgot my walking poles, just for sake of example. Definitely good to get out, rather than be stuck in the house on your own all the time. Yeah. So this uh, walk through with the uh, Galloway is uh, a brilliant idea. It's just a shame we've got to, to limit the numbers on it. It's, it's good to have an attitude. So what's it like being out with a group again? Yeah, it's good. It's good to have a bit of banter and uh, go somewhere a bit different because you get fed up walking around the same places and playing with them all the time. So yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. So again, it's just a shame we can't have more people in the group. Well, yeah, so. but then, yeah, so we can't go sort of further afield as well. Yeah. Any other walks. And... Oh, you've so got the dreaded camera out. I have got the dreaded camera <laughs> out. So what's it like, Richard, being out after? Well, it's, it's always nice to get out. <laughs> it's uh, good to get a bit of stretch your legs and get some bit of exercise in. And hopefully not trip over too many things. <laughs> How have you found the other things that we've been doing with the the videos and the Zoom Zoom meetings and things like that? Oh, they're, they're good. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I, I keep forgetting them though. <laughs> so have you found them useful though with the like the exercise videos, the virtual walks, and and all the Zoom calls and things we've been doing? Yes, yeah. They're very interesting, and it makes you realise what you are. I have to get out there again and do some more walking. Yeah. It's quite good, it's good to get out in the fresh air and good to meet new people. I was a bit nervous this morning but the nerves are settled now and it's just oh. nice to be out yeah. This is the, the first time you've been on a walk like this with us. Yes. How, how has it been? It's been really nice uh, but I wouldn't have undertaken it without being in a group uh, because my vision isn't such that I would be able to see between light areas and dark areas and certainly steps in dark areas I would be very reluctant to undertake anything like that because of that reason okay. I can't see the steps and I can't see the tree roots and that type of thing So it's been good and worthwhile coming along with us oh, and Well because it, it's a particular uh, event and you make the effort to come and do it and you gain the benefits of doing that. That's good. Whereas if you were at home, 
you wouldn't undertake anything like this obviously no and would you would you come again on one of these walks yes, and would you recommend it to other people definitely yeah yeah thank you for listening to the galloway's eye we hope you join us next time goodbye <laughs>